You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's going on, everybody? RJ Ochoa here from SB Nations, bloggingtheboys.com. Hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and that you are almost over the week one loss that the Dallas Cowboys sustained to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and something that we are starting today. Here at Blogging the Boys, every Tuesday we will be live about 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central time for a Blogging the Boys roundtable to discuss everything going on in the world of the Cowboys, the NFC East, the NFL, really anything we feel like talking about. Today's panel includes, in a clockwise direction after myself, Meg Murray from Girls Talking Boys. You can hear her every Friday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network. The day before that, on Thursdays, you can hear Tom Ryle, who's joining us on Riled Up with Roy White. Uh, Kelsey Charles joins Meg on Fridays. And in the, uh, I guess, 7, 8 o'clock position here, it is Tony Catalina from bloggingtheboys.com. You can read his outstanding work. We are all upset. We are all mad. We are all miffed at the Dallas Cowboys lost last week to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, Meg, we are mostly upset because today, on Tuesday, Jerry Jones doubled down for Greg Zerline, and that is upsetting. Yeah, I mean, it's upsetting. I see... I don't think they should have really stuck him out there and forced him to, you know, kick a 60-yard field goal when he just had back surgery. But um. So I, I wanted to surprise you all with this. Um, Tom, I'm, I'm going to come to you in just a second here. Um, as mentioned, we have a lot of things to get to here, and, and I wanted to start with Greg Zerline because I'm really upset about this. I wrote like 800 words about this uh, at the site, which Tony and Tom can tell you. Take some time. Like you gotta, you got to feel really passionate about something to drop 800 words. Um, I was talking to Bobby Belt about this, who is now on the Blog of the Boys podcast network as well. You can hear him on Mondays on Cowboys Cast. And he reminded me, I forgot that this happened during the broadcast last week when the Cowboys obviously lost to the Buccaneers. This is after the Zerline missed extra point. So he had already shanked the 31-yard field goal at this point in time, but he comes out, misses the extra point on the second touchdown. Just listen to what Michelle Tafoya says. You know, I talked to Greg Zerline before the game. We just saw him miss that extra point. And he had off-season back injury, uh, back surgery, excuse me, and he wasn't able to kick as much as he wanted. I asked him how he was feeling, how his timing was. And, you know, look, he didn't seem that confident, Alan, Chris. He just said, I'm trying to feel my way a little bit. He didn't kick much in games at all in the preseason. So it seemed to me he was just a little bit off and not 100% confident. Yeah, and boy, boy, that was confident. Tom, I'm kind of stunned that Michelle Tafoya would be that frank uh, about Greg Zerline on the broadcast last week. I'm not as stunned by her frankness as I am by the coaching staff pushing him out there and knowing that he was in this shape and and just going with him and and you know cutting his competition in camp and not Can you having even call a it competition ready. there there wasn't there wasn't real competition no. for well there was no competition they just didn't have anybody there in case he wasn't ready to go coming off of surgery i mean of all the the coaching decisions we've meet so made seen so far this year this one seems like the worst uh, with the most obvious red flags as to mm-hmm. why this was not the way to go, to not be prepared 
for him to not be 100% for this game. I mean, there's a good argument to be made that special teams lost this game for the Cowboys, and Zerline was a big part of it, not only in the fact that he uh, was missing field goals and extra points. The, the, uh, the Buccaneers had three cut, uh, kickoff returns for 92 yards, and that happens when your kicker isn't able to put it into the end zone. So, uh, Football Outsiders released their DVO rankings today, Tom. Cowboys offense ranked eighth, not a surprise. You know, we saw a really efficient performance. Defense, 22nd. I mean, whatever. They were playing the Bucs. We all kind of anticipated that. Tony, the Dallas Cowboys special teams, from a DVOA perspective, ranked 32nd, um, which is the nice way to say it. The bad way is to say dead last. Uh, And a lot of the problems can be traced to Greg Zerline. And Tom's right. The Cowboys seemingly pushed him out. Meg mentioned it too. Uh, Jerry Jones said this morning on 105.3 The Fan that he is still getting in the groove. Why why is he out there then? I mean, if if the groove hasn't been established, you know, why why is he... You know, this 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 to me, Tony, feels like they're trying to walk this back now. Like they're trying to, to convince us like, hey, well, he was hurt. What did you expect? Well, we expected you to make the right decision. That's what we expected. I, you know, I don't really love the the hindsight, you know, the point of view of it. Right. I mean, if Greg Zernline wasn't going to be ready for week one, this should have been a contingency plan. It should have been ready to, you know, pull the safety hatch if need be. And, you know, he didn't really kick at all right i mean he didn't really kick through training camp he got off the pup list and it's and you know even through the preseason games you're like this is you know this is not ideal we and not many teams are going through uh preseason training camp without you know having their kicker make field goals and it, it reared its ugly head in the first game i mean beyond the kickoffs he left four points on the field and you lose by two and you do the math and you just figure like the type of impact we had in this game meg um yesterday on monday Tom Pellicero from NFL Network, who we know is tight with McCarthy, uh, was the author of the McCarthy Project. And I don't think we put enough stock into this. Tom Pellicero got an exclusive one-on-one with not just Mike McCarthy, but also Dak Prescott while in Oxnard at training camp. So, again, uh, they are the best of friends. Uh, but Tom Pellicero, again, seemingly doing the the caping for McCarthy, said, you know, Zerline had some uncharacteristic misses last week. I don't think that's uncharacteristic at all. Prior to last week against the Buccaneers, Greg Zerline had missed an enormous amount of kicks for the Dallas Cowboys. Last season, in 16 games, he missed a kick in seven of them. So he's now missed a kick in eight of 17 games while a member of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you subscribe, Meg, to the notion that this is this is nepotism, you know, for lack of a better word? This is John Fossil's guy. So the Cowboys want to support him, you know, despite whatever the cost may be, even if they are sacrificing a potential win on the road against the world champs. I mean, it definitely is nepotism. Um, I don't subscribe to it. Um, well, I'm think, saying you subscribe to that. It's happening. You're not no, a, a fan of happening. nepotism, right? Definitely okay. happening. And the fact that they're going so far as to say it's uncharacteristic, sure. Uh, you want to give him more time? Sure. You should have actually given him more time and had someone at least start this season if your guy is not ready off of back surgery. Back surgery is a big deal. Yeah, I mean, just ask uh, really any Cowboy star player over the last decade, uh, unfortunately. Um, Tom, uh, the question from Mad Cat Cakery. I don't know if this is a, an actual place, an establishment. If it is, I think we should check it out. Like if there's a 
you know, some, you know, baked goods we can, you know, work on here. But Kelsey would uh, love uh, it. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Tom, the question from Mad Cat Cakery is, is Lareem any better? I'm going to butcher this now and forevermore, uh, but the Cowboys on Monday brought Lareem Harulahu back to their practice squad. Again, technically competition. You you were the one who called it that. I know you did it somewhat in jest, but, I mean, it like, this is not, you know, Kai Forbath was 10 of 10 during three games that he played with the Cowboys in 2019. That's not the answer. I'm not saying that. But the point is that kickers can be found. Is Lareem that guy in your mind? Or do we need to find out if he's that guy at least? Well, hopefully Zerline is going to be better this week. So mm. they won't need to worry about that. But, yeah, you know, what what assurances do we have of that? It's certainly an open question. And I would have to say, well, first off, Lorim's probably a lot healthier. Maybe it would be worth trying to, uh, to to put somebody out there just because we saw what happened and maybe gives Erline a ride on the IR just to let him get healthy and get ready to go. And I know that's would, would kind that, of scary. Would that upset you? Because I think that would really upset me. That would be like a glaring admission of failure. If they were to IR him, it would be it would be like an atonement, right? It would be them, you know, doing the right thing, but yeah. it would really speak to the hubris that was involved in the decision making when roster cutdowns initially happened. Well, better to admit your failure and do something mm. about it than to just keep failing. In you're the a same wise way. person, Tom. Look at you. You're <laughs> you're a better person than I am. That's a great point, uh, but also a great point from Chris Randall, Tony. Uh, that one in four, one of four in the red zone, excuse me, is not good either. The Cowboys relied on Greg Zerline after coming up short in the red zone. In fact, you could argue that you said you know the game was lost on the four points he squandered. I don't know that anybody really counts the end of that first half field goal against Zerline, but you could also argue that the game was lost to the four points the Cowboys did not get uh, with a touchdown after the Trayvon Diggs interception. We talked all last year about how the defense wasn't giving them promising field position to start. Trayvon Diggs, albeit thanks to a nice tip from Leonard Fournette, uh, gets the Cowboys on the 21-yard line. 21 yards to go for this offense that we all sing praises of each and every week, and the Cowboys can't cash in, and they have to rely on a shake kicker. That is a pretty big failure. I mean, like you said, you can move the ball – as much as you want. I mean, they move the ball between the twenties. Well, just as good as anybody in the NFL. It's once you get in that red zone and, you know, the Kellamore magic, you know, where is it? Can you, can you put it in the end zone? It can Dak and them punch it in. And like you said, you're playing Tom Brady, you play anybody in the league, you play a high powered offense, but you know, especially Tom Brady, you got to be able to, to score six and you put it on a shaky kicker, like you said. And, and this is the result in the conversations we have after as a result of it. Um, I do want to say Mad Cat Cakery has chimed in. Cakes for friends and family only, but I make friends pretty easily. Maybe I should befriend Isaac Alarcon. That is a, a great you know, uh, dot to connect there. Meg, uh, last thing on Zerline so we can move on to other things that we hate and are upset by. Are we... <laughs> Are we making too big of a deal out of this? Is is this, you know, is this us looking for a scapegoat or is this truly a problem? I think it uh I think it's truly a problem. Um I think that it gets it's a problem that can be fixed potentially. Um if you see good things out of him in practice if we're getting him practice if we're getting him game ready. Um I didn't see that on Thursday. So um 
kind of remains to be seen. And I don't like the unknown. So I'm not really happy with it either way. Mm, well, then you're not going to like what's happening at right tackle this week. Although that really isn't unknown as much as it is known. Uh, Jerry Jones, again, was on 105.3 The Fan, the home of the Dallas Cowboys early on Tuesday morning, as he always is. I did not hear any plates clinking, so no eggs uh, this particular week. But Tom, uh, the headline from Jerry is that Terrence Steele, We'll be starting for the Cowboys at right tackle. You know, you talk about offseason decisions, roster decisions. Cowboys signed Ty Inseki specifically to be their swing tackle. We knew that this day was cometh. Um, I know that the, you know, the grammar there is not great, but I hope the joke landed. But anyway, uh, we knew this was going to happen. We expected it to be with Tyron Smith. Obviously, his health has been the far less sustainable one prior to last season. Uh, you know, good for three to four games missed a season. However, Lyle Collins suspended for five games. We've been there. We've talked about that. And at the first opportunity that the Cowboys have to rely on a swing tackle, it's not the guy they went out and bought in free agency. It's the guy who, who tried really hard last season, um, but ultimately – um, failed. And so, yeah, Terrence Steele at right tackle. Joey Bosa is going to be a problem. Tom, is this the right decision or should the Cowboys have gone with somebody else? If so, who else? No, um, sometimes you don't necessarily have a great right decision. Sure. Uh, I think this may be, I actually think this is the, the best option. If, uh, if something, I think Brian Baldus uh, is adamant that. Inseki is bad. And they yeah, don't and I, I'm not caping there. for Inseki, but yeah. again, just speaks to the, the poor decisions so made. Up until maybe that. he was actually just a bad signing, just an old guy at the end of his career that didn't have wow. anything left in his tank. Let, let uh, it all hang out, Tom. Jeez. But, you know, the thing, the big thing that everybody is out there that want, wants to harp on is why don't they move Zach Martin out to right tackle and keep Connor McGovern in? Well, I don't like that idea, and more importantly, Zach Martin is not a fan of that idea at all. He does not want to move back out to tackle where he got hurt last year after having been pretty much an Iron Man up to that point at guard. He wants to stay at guard, and I saw an interesting point today. Let's say you did put Martin out there, and then Lyle Collins comes back from suspension after the bye. Then do you shuffle the line again one more time and have you know two positions that are in flux? rather than have the the other four guys still hopefully stable at that point, and you're just putting Collins back out in the starting job. I, I think that as as much as we might not like to realize it, I think Steele is the most logical decision at this point. And as somebody said, this is, this is not the same coaching staff that let the famous uh, Adrian Claiborne six sack game happen because they wouldn't put any help out there for Chaz Green and whoever else came in after they pulled Chaz Green at left tackle. Uh, this is not the Dak Prescott of 2017 when that happened. Uh, I have a lot of faith in Kellen Moore and Dak and the offensive weapons to find a way to counter this problem. And I expect them to have a tight end out there next to steel on just about every play. So, you know, it's going to be something to overcome. But I think what we saw on Thursday night says that they can overcome this. And as many people, you know, a lot of people were very high on Justin Herbert. He ain't Tom Brady. Uh, mm. You know, I, I, I would argue that the Buccaneers had a better defense than the Chargers have, although the Chargers are certainly no slouches. So 
I think that this is just, okay, here's what you got. There's nobody sitting out there on the shelf that you can plug in that's a better option at this point. So this is kind of like the least worst thing they can do. Do you agree, Tony? Is, is, or is there is there a, a less least worst thing they could do? <laughs> For me, I'm, I'm viewing it a little differently, right? Um, call out Tom. I, call him out. Say it's dumb. <laughs> Say you would disagree, Tony. I'm, I'm not going to call out Tom. Tom's the man. But what I am going to say is I personally feel like um, I, I always view as the offensive line, especially what we now, what we see or what we thought we knew from Connor McGovern, right? He went out there and he, and he played well. He held his own against a, a really tough Tampa Bay front seven. Um, I'm of the mind of the best five, right? And I, and I believe Zach Martin to be, you know, a team player. And I, and I know that right tackle probably isn't his – his most ideal situation, but I bet you Dak Prescott would probably tell you Terrence Steele is in his most, uh, you know, <laughs> that's probably not what he's thinking at right yeah, tackle himself. Dak Prescott on his back is not his most ideal position either, right? Right. And if and if you invest, you know, whatever the, you know, Ty Inseki, if he's not the guy, then he shouldn't be on the team as far as I'm concerned, right? If you, yeah, if why don't you carry a guy, him on the roster? Exactly. Like, why not right. cut him at roster cut downs? That's a great question. Great job. I, I mean, I should have had that question. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you said, you know what I mean? If he, if he's not the swing tickle swing, excuse me, tackle yeah, that you tickling happen, you know, there's no <laughs> that's, that's one way to that, yeah, that's the way to neutralize that. the back. <laughs> hey Joey, <laughs> you know, like oh. don't really catch him off guard. Exactly. Right, exactly. And you know, <laughs> you know, if he's not the swing tackle you think he is, and you know, what is he doing on the roster? And I'm and I'm of the bind to think that, you know, put the five best guys out there. I think Connor McGovern at this point with L. Collins out is one of your five best offensive line. And I understand you don't want to move two different positions, but if you're talking about an all pro right guard, you know, a real gamer at Zach Martin at right tackle, and you're putting a young um, Connor McGovern at you know right guard, and now you get that offensive line on this on the right side there is solidified. Um, I feel like uh, Dak Prescott, I feel like the offense doesn't really miss a beat. And, you know, Zach Martin's a gamer. You know, I know he doesn't prefer to be a tackle, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to probably do it at a damn near, you know, Pro Bowl level. So I, if I'm the judge here, I kind of agree with Tony. Um, But, but Meg, you're impartial here because I've already taken a side. Do you, you agree with Tom? You know, like, hey, you know what? We're following logic. Or do you agree with Tony? Because I actually have a different take um, now that I think about it. But you can go first. Um, I don't disagree with either of them. They all uh, made great points. Pick but, a hey, side. You, you, I thought you told me I was a judge. Uh, I forgot who was the judge. But the judge <laughs> has to pick a side. The judge of all Fine. people has to pick a side. I'm going to have to say that for whatever reason, this coaching staff decided that they didn't like the matchup if they moved stuff around. So they stuck in Terrence Steele. So that's kind of where I'm going here is, ah, to, well, sort of, look at us. to a teeny little degree. Why not kick Zach Martin out to right tackle this week? This week you have to play Joey Bosa. You want to adjust things next week when you actually have a, another day, an extra day for to prepare for Monday Night Football in the Philadelphia Eagles? Fine. You know, this it's a battle of attrition. It's, it's not everything can't be hunky-dory the ways that – Zach Martin's awesome. If anybody – in the Cowboys building has earned the right to demand what they want to do. Zach Martin is on the very short list of people who has. However, to your point, Tony, it's a bit of a different circumstance. 
I personally believe that the Cowboys need to have gone one and one through these first two games. They do have a nice stretch coming up after that. They got Philadelphia. I know people are impressed by them. We'll talk about them in a little bit ourselves. Uh, they've got the Panthers who suck and are cowards. The Panthers punted on the Jets 33 yard line. I will never get over this in my life. That happened last Sunday and the Cowboys are going to blow them out a hundred and nothing. Then they get the giants who are the worst offense in the NFL, which is not at all a surprise. If you have watched the last decade of Cowboys football um, and then they get the Patriots and we don't know what that is. So, if, if we allot Tony for kind of a plus minus of a game and a half after the Chargers game, you have to get this one. You have to get to the bye at four and two. After the bye, you get Lyle Collins back. You get Michael Gallup back. If, if they keep him out that long, maybe he comes back earlier. This is an important game. I mean, they, I, I hate when people say that because it's not like there are non-important games, but you you have to get through this and maybe you adjust for this week specifically. Uh, Antonio says on the stream, Steel is not the answer. He will get the change this weekend. I mean, 100 percent. You hit it. You hit the nail on the head with it. I feel the same mm-hmm. way about the first two games. You know, one and one was, you know, right, right there. I mean, it's one of the things that when you look at the schedule, like you said, week three to six or three to seven, you know, right up until the break, uh, the bye week, winnable games, really winnable games. And, you know, if you come out of Tampa Bay and Los Angeles Chargers one and one, you feel really good about that, knowing what you have coming up. Um, you, like you said, with Zach Martin. One game, right tackle. Can you tough it out? You know what I mean? And then you're playing Joey Bosa, right? And and, and we, we saw what Chandler Jones did against Taylor Lewan, right? Mm. You know, he's not Taylor Lewan. And, you know, Joey Bosa might be Chandler Jones level. So, I mean, I'm a little nervous. And I know Zeke's one of the best blocking backs. And his 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 Russian stats might not be there, but he's going to need to, you know, be that that second right tackle in this game. He might have to be there for us. Tom, uh, our friend Lori Haresh from the land down under in Australia says, and this is to your point specifically, one move being better than two moves only makes sense when the overall talent level is comparable. McGovern might be your second best guard on the roster. Ooh, shots at Connor Williams. Uh, If Martin won't go, I would rather see Williams than Steele. Tom, your response. Oh, see Williams over there at, at right tackle. No, no, I think oh. that oh, that's another great point too. Like if you want to kick Connor yeah. Williams out, or not, I yeah. wouldn't say a great point, but I, like that option is better. I I like that option better personally. But I mean, it is the same conversation about your best five. Steel isn't even your in your best seven, arguably. You know what I mean? Like or your best six. Sorry, excuse me. I mean, so you you can't ha- call it your best five with Terrence Steele on the field. You just, yeah, but that that's somebody talked about the fact uh, in social media that there's this, this whole fantasy football thing of that. That was Mike McCarthy's quote last year to be very clear, Tom, Mike McCarthy was the one who said, Oh, you can't play fantasy football with this stuff. And then they literally, yeah, they literally kicked Zach Martin out to tackle that week. So somebody else also cited Madden uh, as an influence in this and that people think that offensive linemen can just be shuffled around and plugged in anywhere and be fine. no, there's technique involved. There's, sure. you know, having to learn left-handedness versus right-handedness. And I, I, you know, you can't just be, be moving people around all the time, game after game. Uh, you want to have stability. Stability is probably more important on the offensive line than it is anywhere else on the football team and at, outside of quarterback. And I, I just, I, I still think that, you know, you want to get Martin into his, his natural position at right guard now where he's become so dominant, where he is arguably the best guard in football. Uh, do you want to take the best guard in football and put him out somewhere else? Uh, I, I just, I, 
I just look at it a little bit differently. I think the uh, the whole five best guys doesn't mean it's the best five combination, best sure. combination of five players you can put on the field. To be clear here, your best five is a methodology that led to Chaz Green at left guard back in the day. So not a flawless uh, level of logic there. Uh, Jay Manzari one says DJ. Ouch. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, you know. R, RJ, you know, I mean, whatever. But uh, it says that I picked Dallas to lose to Atlanta during the season, which I did, um, and asked if I would trade that game uh, for a loss this week. Oh, hell yeah. Like, that has nothing to do with uh, with the players involved here. I would a thousand times rather lose to the AFC than to the NFC. Like, I don't care, you know, what the results are or who what goes into it because it's an NFC win. Uh, but to your point, Tom, Jay Manzari says, I'm not about moving Zach. If he gets hurt at right tackle, we'll never get over it. Agree with Tom. That actually, I know you already brought that up, Tom, but McCarthy is not, I don't think he's on a short leash, but I do think McCarthy has realized that what he does incites people, right? Like, you know, the pitchforks come out quickly uh, when you're the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think there is any sense of motivation behind the, we can't do this because if this blows up in our face? it will never hear the end of it. You know what I mean? Like we've, we're already in some hot water with blogging the boys. Cause we're, we're Greg Zerline's guys. You know what I mean? But if we get Zach Martin hurt at not his natural position, Tom Ryle is going to kill us next week. You know, is, is that anything that they are concerned about or should they be concerned about in your mind? Um, I doubt it. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that he like has in the back of his head, but I don't think that would um, go into his decision-making so much because you're going to be making a lot of wild moves if that's if that's <laughs> yeah. your point. <laughs> um okay that's fair um ultimately um i guess we'll we'll answer this on a scale of one to ten and we'll go counterclockwise tony with 10 being the most 10 you have a solid night's sleep it's like you, you had a big warm glass of milk right before you know just you close your eyes you wake up didn't move a muscle just the like totally just sat there and age thing um one being tossed and turned all night slept two hours when you needed to sleep eight uh one to ten where are you at on terrence still at right tackle this week four I, you know i'm not sleeping comfortably mm. you know and i'm probably not tossing and need turning to, need to turn down the air maybe fluff the pillow up a yeah. little bit just a little uncomfortable yeah I'm an AC and a fan guy, so maybe you get both of oh. those going. But, <laughs> but you, um, like Tom kind of said, you, you got earlier, uh, you, you have trust in Kellen Moore, right? Are they going to be able to scheme this up? And it may not be another big game for Zeke Elliott, but he's going to, you know, he's going to earn his paycheck in the, in the pass blocking. Um, my big thing is with Terrence Steele is, and I'm super nervous. I just don't want him to to mess up the flow of this offense, right? I mean, we've seen what they can do against the Super Bowl championship type defense. Um, the Chargers are to be respected, but you know, Terrence Steele, go out there and let's not hear your name be called a few times. Mm, so Tony's at a four. Tom Antonio is at a two. So even less confident than Tony. Uh, where are you at? It sounds like you, Tom. If if you went through everything you just did and you don't say something around seven, we're gonna call you a liar. Okay, quit predicting my stuff because it makes it sound like I'm just grabbing the number from you. But seven was the number that was in my head. I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I have concerns. I have a little bit of worries, you know, but, you know, it just means that I woke up and sat there, lay there for 15 or 20 minutes with stuff running through my head before mm. I drifted back off. Counting sheep, kind of right, level. for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I want to see what, what Kellen Moore and, and, 
Joe Philbin can do with this. You know, I think Philbin is somebody we haven't mentioned, and hopefully he had a lot of input in this, and his input was right because I think he he did a, a fairly remarkable job just keeping things even semi held together last year with all that happened. Mm. And we saw last week that Connor McGovern was not the problem for the Cowboys offense. And uh, it's it's interesting to note that uh, apparently the two Connors, Connor McGovern and Connor Williams, and Ty Biotish all wound up rated as top 10 run blockers by one of the uh, metrics. It might have been PFF. And that brings up the fact that we didn't see a running game against the Buccaneers because the Buccaneers have that incredible defensive front seven that just shuts the runoff. The the pass rush may not be as big a factor because hopefully Ezekiel Elliott will begin to contribute in his primary role of running the football and Tony Pollard might get some cracks at it too. So, you know, this may be, we may be focused on just one element of the game and forgetting that there's a whole nother element that may take some of the pressure off with that pass rush because they have to worry about is Zeke going to get loose on him. Mm, definitely not PFF there on the ranking time, but for what it's worth, PFF did have from a pass blocking perspective, only two Cowboys offensive linemen above the team's tight ends. I thought that was notable. They were Tyron Smith and the aforementioned Connor McGovern. Uh, Antonio, by the way, shouts out to all of us says great show guys. Love the content. We love you, Antonio. We all love you. Um, Meg, uh, we've heard before we've heard a seven, which by the way, Tom seven's just an L upside down. And I hope that we're all eating that next week. Um, I hope Terrence still plays really well, but Meg, where are you at? Was that a like eating L's and like the way that you eat a W like Jameis or like, I actually think an L would be a lot easier. Cause like the W <laughs> would be difficult. Cause you'd have to kind of like seesaw your way through, but the L would just be two quick, maybe three quick bites. You know what I mean? Just like up, um, you know, up the ladder, so to speak. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I okay. I was really leaning towards giving it a five, and then I was like, "RJ is going to be like stopping neutral, so I'll just mm. lean towards the way I'm feeling, and I'll go with four, as did Tony. Um, I'm just for not, Dak, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, four's up. Um, I'm just not feeling. I'm not feeling happy about it, and I'm like, it's just kind of a scary. How are they going to figure this out? Factor for me, so. Um, I am also at a four. So shout out to Tony and Meg, um, team fours, um, obviously wins Tom. Sorry. Um, I mean, and look, I hope we're wrong, but I wouldn't say all, but most of the evidence suggests that this is a bad idea. Now, again, Cowboys are high on him. They believe he had a great off season. You know, they believe he put in the work, he got strong, et cetera. Um, and that's what Alex says right now. I thought everyone was excited about Steele's growth since he got so much work after coming in last year. What happened to change everyone's mind? Alex, I think the answer to that is, you know, this is this was not this was not something you wanted to rely on. You know what I mean? This was uh, this was like when you're a kid and, you know, you've got your Pokemon battles going on and all of a sudden you've actually got to gamble the ones that you like hold near and dear to your heart. You weren't ready for that. You know what I mean? It's an emotional ride that you um, are not ready to face head on. I totally I think, you know, Tony, Tom and Meg all agree. We all believe in Terrence Steele's potential future career he's an undrafted free agent in his second year you know in the nfl it makes sense that he would experience growth but to have to smash the glass here in week two against one of the nfl's better pass rushers is why we're panicked would you agree tony i mean 100 percent. i mean like it's it's i'm looking at terrence Steele as a whole and it, if i see him out there instead of Lowell collins it's nervous it makes me nervous because it's it's definitely a step back 
know what I mean? It, his project potential and what he's projected to be, that's well and good. But right now is what we need him to be come Sunday, right? And then you look at the matchup across the field, and you got Joey Bosa, who is one of the most feared pass rushers in the league. And you, you look at and you don't love that opportunity. You don't love that scenario in front of you. And it's nothing against Terrence Steele, and his development can be great. And we're going to find out just how far and how you know strong he's been working uh, come Sunday, but you just don't love the matchup. Uh, Gerard um, <laughs> says... Nice, honest, and hardworking individuals can be bad players. That is very true, unfortunately. Uh, all too true. When Greg Zerline's a nice, honest, and hardworking guy. It's really um, <laughs> all I can say right now. Uh, Tom, you touched on the run game. So uh, we'll give Terrence Steele a break, uh, which will be a sentence that Joey Bosa likely won't say uh, five days from now. But um, people were really upset that the Cowboys did not run the ball more. Like, like in a purely quantitative sense we we live in a day and age where we can send robots to all sorts of planets we can have face conversations with one another you you got a friend or a significant other at the grocery store they're shopping for something they can right away show you what it is you know we got apps that can measure you for suits for crying out loud we got all sorts of levels of technology but tom people are still saying that the number of rushing attempts in a football game matters in the year 2021. Mm. The Cowboys had 60 yards. Go off, King. Go off. And and, and Zeke had one really good, one good run, I think, where he he got a first down. Uh, The run was simply not working. It wasn't to the point. And it was never going to work, even if it, it was, had, it, was it was never going to work in that game specifically. No. And, and even even though Kellen Moore called a, a very small number of running plays, Dak checked out of twelve of them at the line because he saw what the defense had and realized that the pass was the better option. You know, he got four hundred three yards passing and three touchdowns. Dak was cooking. The running game wasn't. And as Kellen Moore. Yards are yards. We we need to quit getting so wrapped up about whether they're running yards or passing yards. You just want to move the ball down the field. There's a lot of ways you can use screens and short passes to substitute for the running game, to be mm-hmm. the, the ball control offense that people seem to think. And, yeah, that you know, I don't have enough time to go into the whole fallacy of the if you if Zeke runs the ball 25 times a game, they win the game. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. Zeke will run the ball 25 times because they are winning the game handily and they're handing it off to him to, to go ahead and get to the final gun quicker. Tony, uh, uh, I, as I'm sure you all did and everybody who's watching and listening did uh, on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, by the way, if you're just joining us, we will do these every Tuesday throughout the regular season. Several BTBers will sit around, we'll have a glass, you know, we'll talk about our dinner plans and we'll also discuss what the Dallas Cowboys have either done or going to do what the NFC looks like. The NFL is kind of a chance to, to catch up on a lot of things. We will podcast these conversations for you as well. Subscribe to the blog of the voice podcast network, wherever you get your podcast. But, um, but Tony, I, again, I, I, everybody that is here or is listening or watching in some capacity had somebody in their lives say, despite the fact that the Cowboys lost by two points, well, they, you know, they, they just need to run the ball more next time. Why? Like if, if 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 they ran the ball two more times, does Greg Zerline make his field goal? You know what I mean? Like, is, does the score change if if the Cowboys run the ball more? Um, this is, I mean, Tom called it a fallacy, but is this the most annoying narrative going on with the Cowboys nationally right now? 
I mean, without question, I, I'm not a proponent for just ramming your head into a wall and just, you know, and what do they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If it's Jason not working, career, right. <laughs> if it's not working, there's no reason to just continue to do it. That game dictated exactly how the game should have went, right? We're right there in the end. Dak let it down, trusted Greg's our line to make the field goal. He couldn't make all game. We take the lead and unfortunately leave Tom Brady with too much time. But to be to 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 say that they didn't run the ball more. I mean, what's I mean, realistically, you're looking at uh, an elite front seven, and like like Tom mentioned, Dak checked out a 12 run plays. So that means they did call him. Dak just made a smart, better decision in the in the moment. He, you know, he read the he read the defense. He looked at the pre snap read, and he made a good call. And guess what? Some of those you know quick screen passes that are go for six seven yards are runs. They're designed runs that are just happen to be passes. So as far as I'm concerned, you're, people are too worried about the fantasy implications, right? Zeke and I said it, and I tweeted it after the game. Zeke did his job. If we won a game, mm-hmm. nobody's going to be talking about Zeke having 30-something yards. We're not talking about that in a win. And I'm sure he's, he doesn't care at all either. You know, at the end of the day, they just want to win a game. And it's super uh, frustrating to say, you know, we need to run the ball because that equates to this. No, you dictate what the defense gives to you, and that's how you win football games. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know the actual travel experience? Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh, the Cowboys averaged 4.6 yards per play on the check outs that Dak Prescott had that you mentioned, Tom. And guess what? If you average 4.6 yards per play, you're going to pick up a lot of first downs. You're going to score a lot of touchdowns. That's the way math works. Um, Meg, uh, not a question about math, uh, but I have long told people because we all get it, but some people don't get it that Dak is awesome. Like Dak is a, is the, is a dream of a player to be at the center of your favorite team. He really is. He just gets it in every conceivable way. I think we haven't mentioned that his cleats just looked so sick last week um, <laughs> on Thursday night. Uh, but I, I'm not here for that conversation. But that being said, does this like add to the lore for you? Like you're like, man, what a baller. Like he's out here. This is Dak's team. Like, you know, we, we're cementing that 
reality more and more and more and more? Does it just, does it, does it give your heart flutters in that sense? It does. And then also when he comes out and he says, I feel like I'm better than I've ever been. I'm like, mm. yeah, let's go. <laughs> and his yeah. cleats were dope. So the cleats were, uh, were very sick indeed. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Brian says fickle fans are saying Kellen Moore can't scheme up runs. What do y'all think? Um, I think that Kellen Moore, it, Tom, you've, Tom is very popular, uh, it seems, um, getting very important phone calls. But, uh, Tom, you said that yards are yards. I hope you're fine with this. I will amend what you said and say that points are points. I, yards don't even matter to me. I care about points. And so Kellen Moore understands the quickest way to get to the end zone is through the air. It's not on the ground, and he wants to get in the end zone, and he needs to get better at it from a red zone perspective. We've already discussed that, but, I mean, I think Kellen Moore is more than capable of it, but it's a secondary priority for him in a vacuum. I mean, it, Kellen Moore is not going to, I don't want to say waste his time, but spend his time focusing on running the ball in ways to develop, you know, run schemes because that is not the most efficient utilization of time, energy, or resources, Yeah, which, I, which having a $90 million running back completely goes against, by the way. But just Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I've said earlier that the, the key isn't that the Cowboys run more, it's that they run more efficiently, uh, you know, which, which means you don't – look at what's happening with the New York Giants offense mm. and remember back to what we had to suffer through of mm. where you line up and you, you show, hey, we're going we're gonna to do a halfback dive between the center and the tackle, and that's exactly what you do. That's not what Kellen Moore is going to do. He's going to be looking for times when, okay, here's where a run might catch them off balance, or here's where it might make sense, or here's where they've got a personnel grouping out there on the defense that says we want to run the ball and go after them that way. That's where you use the run, and, and it doesn't matter whether you get 60 yards rushing or 160 yards rushing, like you said, is – are we getting down into the end zone? Are we are we getting more points than the other team with our offense? And that is all that really matters. I, and, you know, Kellen Moore won me over when he came out with that first play of the game from his own two-yard line, went empty backfield, and they got 30-some-odd yards to Amari Cooper. That was when I just went, yes, Kellen, go. And um. Speaking of that play, Tom, Mark Schofield, who will be doing his series Dak Watch at bloggingtheboys.com every week this season, broke down that play among seven others on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Go check it out. Uh, he goes really in-depth in terms of what Dak is seeing there, why the ball comes out so quickly, why it comes out to Amari Cooper. Very interesting stuff. I will say, Tony, that context does seem to just be absent among football fans, and I think it's just the way football's presented on TV, and I don't want to turn into like that football blogger guy uh but you know football on television is just you know total yards rushing yards you know passing yards you know during the Packers Saints game last Sunday it's you know the Green Bay Packers had the number one rush defense in the NFL last year yeah I wonder why it's probably because they built up monstrous leads against every team because Aaron Rodgers was on fire so nobody could run the ball against them you know that's that's why these things happen these things can be easily explained and I, I hope that's what we're doing here uh do you have confidence in Kellen Moore being able to run the ball or being able to devise a run scheme that can have success because you know people point to the Zeke play where Zeke's got to make his man miss and he does and they say well that's why they don't run the ball it's not it's not all absolute one way or the other I mean there's more layers to the onion to peel for that specifically for that Zeke play you know if Blake Charmer picks that up Zeke's probably walking in with the high step and there's just certain things that you know to answer your question, yeah, I mean, Kellen Moore, 
and I don't, you know, personally, I don't care if Kellen Moore, you know, is like, I'm going to devote to the run game. I want him to devote to beat that week's opponent. If that mm. means that Zeke's running the ball nine times, if that means he's running the ball 39 times, whatever, like you said, the yards are cute, but the, but the, the wins are won with the points. And that's just the bottom line. And I think Kellen Moore is going to get the job done. I think he's proven that he can move the ball around more. We're just going to have to be more efficient in the red zone, but that's a different topic. Yeah. Uh, Meg, I remember last year um, in this, this really backfired because he ended up back up with the Cowboys. But when Cooper Rush uh, was claimed by the New York Giants after the Cowboys cut him, I remember you referencing a tweet of mine on Girls Talking Boys, like that total symmetry there. Because um, I had tweeted when the Cowboys cut Cooper Rush that it would be the most predictable thing in the world for Jason Garrett to claim him. And the Giants did. Again, this looks really bad at this particular moment in time. But uh, Jason Garrett's overall philosophy is – you just got to beat your man. That's, that's, you know, like that's, that's what led to Chaz Green. You just, you got to show up. You got to beat your man. And it's, it's literally believing in magic to a certain degree. Um, Meg, I don't know if you've seen this, but Saquon Barkley was the least efficient running back in the NFL in week one, according to next gen stats. I don't think any of us believe that Saquon Barkley is not a talented athlete, not an incredible NFL running back, but he is imprisoned. Like there's, there's no doubt about like all the results scream one particular result. Do you agree? Yeah. Um, call him out. Jason Garrett is not good at calling offense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's can't put it together. Uh, and I love it because he's not here anymore. So uh, <laughs> Tony, were you surprised to see the giants offense struggle? I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's no Tom. You use the word cute. It's, it's adorable. That's it's just, it's, it's, it's really Charlie Brown getting um, yeah. Lucy'd over and over and over again. It, it, Am I, it, you're asking me if I'm surprised to see a Jason Garrett offense act like a Jason Garrett offense. Then no, I'm not, you know, <laughs> uh, Tom, do you feel at all bad for Saquon Barkley? Uh, no. Wow. You know, I, I mean, it's like, uh, how could you be yeah. so heartless? A great Kanye well, line, but I mean, I, I want to, I want because I, I want to make sure that we've got a couple of wins there in the NFC East against the against the Giants. No, uh, but yeah, okay, maybe you know, maybe as the individual, I can feel a little sad that he's stuck in this situation. Uh, it, it may he may wind up seeing who knows how much of his career wasted mm. under Jason Garrett. Uh, I suspect it may not be very long if they have a, if the year continues the way it's going for them. But, you know, this is, as someone said, we tried to tell the giants what was coming mm. and they didn't want to believe it was coming. And and here it is. Uh, you know, we couldn't have called it any more accurately that, that he has gone in there and has, it's just made a total mess of the offensive plan. And mm. it's, wow. You know, Okay, Tom, enough talking Giants. We're here to talk about the Cowboys. Jeez. Um, I think you should promote him to head coach and really just It is really inev- it's inevitable. Like it it oh, truly yeah. is. Like we've we've seen this movie a thousand times. You know what I mean? This like, right maybe now he's not good right here, but if we just give him the everything, like that's what I'm be saying. Better. This is the part of the movie where the girl breaks up or like like leaves the the nice friend and does something mean to him in favor of the like bad jerk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's what J- Jason Garrett's a really nice guy, right kind of guy. But you know, in in the moment we're talking about here, is it's it's applicable to the success of a football team. He's the jerk, and and then the nice guy is going to be off in the corner, like man, 
who am I going to go to prom with now? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a tough scene for the New York Giants. I agree with Joseph, by the way. It says Cowboys will make it to the NFC Championship. Why are we shooting so low, though? Let's talk about the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, let's, you know, whatever. Uh, Tony uh, Burns is now dictating our show. Uh, says, can we talk about the three forced turnovers, obviously, that the Cowboys had last week? Four with the Hail Mary pick. I'm extremely excited about this defense other than Anthony Brown. Ouch. Um, so... Tony, I will say this. I got a lot of heat myself for on the postgame show, really saying the Cowboys only kind of had one true turnover. The first was the Demarcus Lawrence punch out. Everybody agrees. Incredible job. Incredible effort. Please respect Demarcus Lawrence. The second was the Diggs pick. I just don't think you can count on, on tip balls like that every week, but good for him. I'm fine calling it half of a turnover. The third was the Hail Mary interception that Jordan Lewis had. And the fourth, the KZ force fumble, not exactly predictable either. I mean, his helmet was in the right spot, you know what I mean, to, to jar that thing loose. But, I mean, it should be said that Chris Godwin dodged like four tackles before he got there. It wasn't exactly a great defensive play. So, it, with regards to this question, are you excited? Are you not excited? 22nd ranked by DVOA, the defense. I mean, are, do we have to temper expectations? Do we need more context? Like, how do you feel about Dan Quinn? To me, you're looking at the way you – categorize the turnovers i would say it's two and a half right i mean mm. digs digs flying up to the ball i mean he's ready to make the tackle and he's you know when you play that fast and you're in your football oriented you're going to be around the football to make plays i think the demonte kz play is one that um you know, that's just textbook tackling. I mean, in that moment, I think the moment made it bigger and more unbelievable than it is. But I feel like, you know, right. the safeties and cornerbacks are the type of people that can, you know, stick their head in it, you know, and get in there and make a play like that. So I'm, I'm appreciative of that. Demarcus Lawrence, that's just Demarcus Lawrence being tank. You know, he he's the type of player, you know, he plays at 100 miles per hour with his hair on fire. So, but as a whole, I was, you know, I was positive. I mean, I saw some positive things. I mean, we're playing Tom Brady in a wide receiver unit that can only really really rival ours, right? And and that's you're looking at Mike Evans and how Trayvon Diggs played against Mike Evans. And you're, you know, we're not gonna we don't really have to touch base on how Anthony Brown did against Antonio Brown. But um there were some positive signs in this defense. I think there is some definitely things to work on, but it, it looked like a a faster, more confident group compared to last year. Uh I agree, Tony. I think that's well said. Um uh, Mad Cat Cakery, who uh I think said in the comments, uh is working on baked goods for all of us, is what I read. The exact words of Mad Cat Cakery. Dozen donuts for each of us, but we'll see. Uh Tom uh says better to be lucky than good. Totally true here. And you know, Tony mentioned you're playing against Tom Brady. That context is necessary. And you know, despite the fact that it's Tom Brady, you also played against what was the top graded you know, quarterback performance by Pro Football Focus's measurement. Tom Brady, the number one quarterback from an offensive grade standpoint, from a passing grade standpoint. So again, he's Tom Brady and he's literally operating at the absolute peak of his powers. So, you know, you ran into Thanos with all of the infinity stones on his hand at one particular moment in time. It makes sense that you would lose. So it is difficult to properly contextualize how good or bad this defense is. Are you with Tony? Do you feel like you've seen, you know, some positive things? Do you feel like it is better than last year? Are you ready to say that, you know, Doomsday has returned like where are you at here yeah uh, well first off i want to say that it was a good point that there is better to be lucky because there is an element totally. of luck in turnovers with especially with interceptions it's an like oblong ball made out of leather totally agree weird thing weird things happen with it but yeah i you know i'm of course looking forward to the end game since we lost the infinity war there you mm. know so but who, we, who are we tom who are you huh? who are you oh i'm always hawkeye but the 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 whole thing is that 
I think I saw more from the defense, especially because did you notice? Did anybody notice the fact that the the the, the Buccaneers had less rushing yards than the Cowboys did? They had even less of a running attack. Mm, and if they had run what, more, they would have won by more. That's what yeah, you know, common minds would say. Of course. But last year, what was it that we saw kill us so many times unexpectedly mm. that the Cowboys just got shredded in the running game? Right. That, to me, is a very hopeful sign. I'm also encouraged by how the secondary was in the right place. They seem to be going to the ball. They seem to actually understand the concept of, oh, the ball's in the air within reach. Perhaps I should catch it, which is something that they didn't seem to have as much of last year as they needed. So I think the defense has made some positive steps. I'm uh, favorably inclined in my judgment of Dan Quinn so far, but you know it's a very small sample size. We've got to see how they do against the Chargers now. But yeah, I, I think it's trending upwards, and I'm I'm not unhappy. I, I don't think we can depend on winning the turnover battle that way. Uh, but the flip side is Cowboys didn't lose any fumbles, and remember how badly that hurt them last year. Sure. So, you know, there's two sides to the turnover coin, but just speaking about the defense right now, it's, I think the arrow's pointing up for them. Meg, uh, much was made about how Trayvon Diggs clamped up uh mike evans and you were there in person meg was in in tampa everybody so everybody you know caught her cool uh meg was there she was running our instagram meg will actually be running the blog and the boys instagram every game day this season so blogging.the.boys anything cool you see on there uh i was helpful in putting together anything bad was 100 percent uh but uh <laughs> but so joseph says man if Diggs makes that interception at the end of the game we would have a different discussion and if and that one was so close i mean literally touched almost all 10 of his fingertips i don't know how well you saw that there uh, even with your super hawkeye vision sorry tom um but um if he does make that pick then i do think the conversation is dan quinn did it you know what i mean like this defense winning the super bowl trayvon diggs would have had two interceptions it is truly a game of inches in that particular sense i mean you still have to give it to Diggs, like being there and like almost getting it. I, mm. I know I hate, we hate the almost and right. like it still hurts, but like last year you couldn't walk up to us like, and like hit us with the football in the helmet mm. and be like, take this and like have <laughs> us get it. So like, I know it's an almost, but he also had what he had a pick as earlier in the game. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, I don't have Hawkeye vision like Tom. So I uh. did did have a hard time seeing that. But. Burns wants to note that Hawkeye is the worst Avenger. So, Tom. <laughs> that was my point. Oh. <laughs> so, that was like a self-deprecating thing, Tom. Wow. I thought you were, like, really passionate. Like, I didn't know if you were, like, no. if, you, if you were, like, an archer no. in your spare time. Like, I didn't know what was going on here. No. You know, like, you had, no, like, a thing in the yard or something. No, all the superheroes um, flying, around, flying around, and I'm a, I'm a guy with a bow and an arrow. Come on. Mm. Interesting. Um, okay, that was. Um, we'll try to to get this back on track. Tony, let's talk briefly about uh, the Washington football team, who plays two days from now on Thursday night against the New York Giants. Super pumped to watch these two pedestrian teams, I tell you. Uh, but quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick will miss six to eight weeks with a hip injury that he suffered early in the game last week during their loss against the Los Angeles Chargers. 
I am not somebody who believed in Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. Call me biased, call me a homer, whatever. Uh, I did not think that that was the like magic answer to this team. I was thrilled when it was Chicago who traded up to draft Justin Fields and not Washington. Uh, but the next eight weeks for the Washington football team, Tony, are New York on Thursday night at Buffalo, who will probably get right by then, at Atlanta, who did us no favors. Falcons, you suck. Um, then the Saints and Chiefs at home before they travel to Green Bay and Denver before their bye. They do host the Buccaneers after that bye. Um, is Washington in the mix at all? If, if they were in the mix, does this impact them? Like, how do you see, you know, they're standing in the division at this point in time? And uh, Burns asks, do they sign Cam now? So the floor is yours. You know, I think this deeply impacts it, right? I mean, if, if you look at the start of the season, we're only one game in, so you can still kind of have those, you know, you don't want to get too high or too low based on one week of action. Um, I, Washington is perceived to be our biggest threat in the division, and they just lost their starting quarterback for six-day weeks for a guy who was taking grad classes. Um, so, you know, so now, <laughs> so he's out there, and you look at it, and it's yes, they have a you know a quality defense, and they have probably the best collection of front seven, you know, at least D line guys in in the league. Um, it deeply impacts the way that you look at it because six to eight weeks, you know, they could be what two and four, you know, two and five in that stretch. What, what games know? do they win here? Because you know, I we, mean, we got we got fancy graphics. Tony, look down below. Right, point down. I'm below. looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> you look at it, right? You look at the Giants. I mean, I mean, that's the only. I mean, I Iceberg can... Slim says they will be zero and eight <laughs> right off the bat. So, and I, I would mean... love that. I mean, I could see them. I, you know, I guess the only game looking at it is you know New York and maybe Denver. They give them a run. I mean, I feel Dude, like no Denver's smoking Washington easily at mile Listen, high. Th that stadium's a mile above it. the earth. All right, or whatever <laughs> latitude, longitude stuff. Right. So yeah, I mean. Washington, by the time he gets back, it could be, you know, tank season. Not really, you know what I mean, facetiously, but, you know, we're looking at a different, uh, you know, you're looking at a different way if you're sitting there at two and seven. Um, so, Tom, what's Washington's record going to be there? Oh, and one here. These are their next seven games and they're by. Uh, Meg, I'm coming to you next. So none of this, like, y'all put me on the spot. But, Tom, uh, let, Tom, we'll go through it one by one. Win or loss for Washington, New York on Thursday. I think they've got a good chance of winning that because they are going up against Jason Garrett's oh! offense. So that's that's possible. Agreed. So one and one at Buffalo. No. All right, cool. One and two at Atlanta. I think Atlanta will pull themselves together after they let us down so badly. And so I see that as a likely loss. Atlanta, this one's for Tom. All right, so one and three. Uh, New Orleans and KC back-to-back. -back. Oh, Boy, that's a tough, tough pair of games, man. I can't see them. I mean, it looks like Jameis Winston may actually have found a coach that can get him to, to operate efficiently, so I don't see them winning that. And it, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. They got Patrick Mahomes. They're, they're good. And then at Lambeau. Well, that depends. Oh! Has, at that point, has Aaron Rodgers succeeded in what appears to be an attempt to get them to bench him or not? because his nice. performance in the opening week was almost deliberately to not go out and play a good game. I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, Green Bay looked horrible, so that one I'm really not sure. But, yeah, uh, uh, that one that one could be a surprise because okay. I think Green Bay may be about to become really off the rails. And then, and then at Denver after that. 
I think Denver can probably beat him. So may at best I think they could be two and six. But wow, you know, so the one and seven is not out of the realm of possibility at all. If you're with us live, by the way, on YouTube, please let us know what you think Washington's record will be at the break. They are 0-1 now. They have seven games between now and then. Um, no, um, six games between now and then. Wait, I already lost count. That's three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, seven games between now and then. So what will their record be? They will have played eight games at the bye. Uh, very embarrassing moment for me uh, right there. Tom, you have them at two and six, maybe. And yeah, I think, that, I think they'll they'll look into something. Sure, maybe it's the, the Falcons way. game, maybe the Saints game, like maybe something weird happens. Like, again, it is football. Um, but to be very clear, we are talking about a team that we all believe is extraordinarily bad, yet we all, beyond a shadow of a doubt, believe that they will beat the New York Giants, which is embarrassing for the Giants. Uh, Meg, what do you think? Uh, Donnie says one and seven here. Uh, Christopher Summers says one and seven. Mad Cat Kakery, we're – We'll want to see these baked goods, Matt Cat. Uh, one and seven. Dallas Young agrees with Tom, two and six. Uh, so who are you going to copy here, Meg? One and seven, two and six, or you going your own way? Oh, and eight, maybe. Maybe you're brave enough to do it. <laughs> I was going to say two and six, so I'm with Dallas Young there. Um, I can see them beating the Giants, and I could see them taking the Atlanta game or Denver. You know what's amazing is Washington is favored for their Thursday night game against New York. They are – at the moment we're having this conversation, two days removed from losing their starting quarterback, and they are favored over a New York Giants team that is pretty much fully healthy, at least on offense, which is amazing. You had a this point, Meg. This is a hot take. Oh, hit us. <laughs> we need a sound drop, like, Sah! something like yeah, that. I, like, I was just kind of surprised that they were like, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is our starting totally agreed. quarterback. Totally agreed. So – was this not like in the cards down the line anyways, where they, I feel like they probably prepared for this scenario and I don't know how bad they actually are going to look. So we'll see. Um, Tony, you didn't totally pick a record. So, I mean, <laughs> two and six, one and seven, oh and eight. Well, yeah. Donnie has amended his uh, selection, by the way, uh, says, uh, fine. I changed my mind. Oh, and eight. I'm brave enough to do that. I'm saying two and six. Yeah. <laughs> That's mm. my, you know, I, I, like we said, I think we universally think they could still go out there and beat the Giants, which would be really bad for New York. And, you know, I think they get one out of Atlanta or Denver, but they're not going to get both. I agree. Uh, Burns says, what does Vegas know? Talking about Washington being favorites in this game. Again, I've seen the line at three, three and a half. I think Burns, Vegas knows who Jason Garrett is. I mean, I think that's that's the answer. Um, and But Donnie notes as well that the Giants did sweep Washington last year. Uh, so, you know, it's going to be some weird football. On, on Thursday night. I'm, I'm very confident of that, at least. Meg, I want to go to you first here, because um, if anyone's ever listened to Girls Talking Boys, you know, it's full of energy, full of sunshine, full of good times, lots of laughs, but the end always has one signature line, um, C-F-E-P-F-N, I think are the appropriate acronyms. Uh, so, Meg, are you at all nervous about the Philadelphia Eagles who beat the Atlanta Falcons 32-6. Are you worried? You're you're the top Philly hater really ever in the world. I which wear is, that crown proudly. Yeah, seriously, good <laughs> job. We're all proud of you, seriously, for that. Um, if you're watching, are you worried about Philly? I mentioned Tom Brady had the top PFF grade for quarterbacks from an overall and passing perspective. Jalen Hurts had the second highest PFF grade. So not a total fluke of a win. Definitely impressive. Where you at, Mick? I'm at, 
I thought they were going to be absolutely um, terrible, and they're less than terrible. So Jalen Hurts looked good. Is he going to keep it up? Is he going to flounder? I don't have a lot of faith in him. I'm not worried. Uh, Dallas Young, bit of a biased name here, Dallas, uh, says, <laughs> no, not worried at all. Swavy JP says they have 2017 vibes. Get that out of here. No, we don't like that. Um, so, <laughs> Tom, are you worried about Philly? I mean, you know, are you losing sleep? You know, you are pretty peaceful when you think about Terrence Steele, but is this keeping you up at night? Let's just say I'm keeping an eye over my shoulder. To see Which eye? Right or left? And why? Uh, it would be my right eye. That's my good eye. I will mm. use that one to watch out for danger. Uh, <laughs> we don't know for sure. Was this this just the uh, opening week uh, fluke weirdness that sometimes happens for them to blow out the Falcons that badly? Are the Falcons really that bad? Um you know, do they do they really have their quarterback situation solved? It's it's all a lot of things to find out, and uh, I think they they might be more of a challenge than Washington at this point, just because Washington is now without their starting quarterback. Whether although there is, as mentioned, kind of an open question if that's really just kind of a lateral situation rather than a decline. So we'll have to find out with them. I'm, you know, going to be wait to see. the The interesting thing is that we get a really good test on them uh, in week. San three. Francisco. Oh well, I was going to say this week with San Francisco, definitely more context. But you're right. I mean, yeah, but we we'll, get, yeah, we get to see what happens this week against we'll, what is believed to be a good team. Then we'll get we to get week to three, Tom. Because I, I know there's a reason you're excited about week three. We'll get there oh, shortly. Yes. I promise. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, but Tony. Uh, your thoughts on the Eagles? Do you are they the second best team in the division now? Because it's not hard to be better than the Giants. I mean, I I personally thought Philly was the second best team coming into it all. I did not buy the Ryan Fitzpatrick hype like Meg talked about and I talked about. It. So where are you at on the Eagles? Uh, you know, for me, it's yeah. I think week one is always leaves a little more question marks than answers. Um, I I you know I don't I didn't think Atlanta would be very good this year, but I didn't think they'd be that bad. So you're kind of looking at it and you're saying, okay, is this more indicative of how the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be in 2021 or more an indictment on how Atlanta is going to be? So, you know, not to jump ahead, but like they got week two against the 49ers. They go week three against the Cowboys and then they're playing the Chiefs. So they're going to find out how good they are. In the next Tony, let's go. You know, I, they're going to, there's a real chance that as good as they looked on week one, they can come out of the first month of the year, one and three. So, mm. You know, and, and then we're talking about is, is Philly the worst team in the division? Is Jalen Hurts, you know? <laughs> so, you know, and to answer the question, um, I'm, I was slightly impressed, intrigued by the way they played, right? Jalen That's a Hurts good word. Play, yeah. You know, intrigued. And you're just looking at it and it's like, okay, like Meg said, they're not as bad as I thought they were going to be, but you just how good are they? I guess we'll find out next week and then we'll definitely find out in week three. I think you'll all like this answer. I think they're just good enough to give them hopes before the Cowboys ruin them. You know what I mean? Like they're just that good. And maybe they're even good enough. Like, you know, they're, I think they'll lose on Sunday to San Francisco. I think you all agree. If we can get some head nods here. I know people are listening to this, but they all nodded their heads. Um, and so then it'll be a nice humbling to drop them below 500 in week three. And then again, I think they're plucky enough, no pun intended, um, to kind of be cute and in the mix for that third. Now that there are three, I know it's the second year of it, wild card spots. And then in week 17, 
Cowboys or week 18, excuse me. Cowboys just take care of business and their playoff hopes. Yeah. You know, Cowboys forever. Eagles for never. Um, so, right. right, so that would be fun. Uh, Tom, you have been dying to talk about this um, since we uh, kind of put the rundown together earlier today. I'll throw it to you first. It is Tuesday. We will do these live streams every Tuesday here on the blog and the boys YouTube channel. We'll podcast them as well. Um, so Tuesday is the day that comes after Monday. Look at me. I'm a smart man. I knew that. Um, which means Monday night football was last night. The first flight of Monday night football this year in 2021. I feel so bad for Steve Levy, Brian Greasy and Lewis Riddick. Cause I don't know anybody that watched them on Monday night. Instead, everybody chose to watch Peyton Manning, Eli Manning at a weird point in time, Charles Barkley, uh, Ray Lewis was there. Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey actually might think he's on the Cowboys thought that they were playing the chargers this week. Uh, so, you know, there's that, uh, and Russell Wilson, but Tom, the Manning broadcast has been incredibly well received and they will simulcast the Cowboys Eagles game in week three, which is on Monday night football. I have a take on this, but Tom, you can go first. Well, I found that one of the, it, it may be the best commentary I've seen because they weren't sitting there giving us the play-by-play, which if if you're like me, sometimes you get irritated because the play-by-play guy just gets stuff wrong and has Ooh. down and distance wrong and, and says, well, here. you know, he got six yards and the guy actually got eight yards and all that kind of stuff. And, and they were just sitting there dissecting stuff and doing it beautifully and telling hilarious stories along the way and not holding back when they saw bad coaching, they came right out and said, that was a horrible decision. How can they do that? And, and just their reactions, they were showing the emotions, the, uh, you know, when, when the, uh, when, uh, Carr threw that uh, interception in overtime that looked like it was going to blow the game for them. Their reactions was the reaction, just, you know, horrified. You know, Eli Manning was going, Ugh, and Peyton just disappeared because he bent over and put his head between his legs. That was such a great coverage, and I want to hear them talk about the Cowboys because I will believe what they say about mm. Dak Prescott and – what they'll say about Jalen Hurts and what they'll say about the coaching and all that stuff, because what they said was so credible and made so much sense the first time out. I was stunned. I actually found myself starting to like Eli Manning because he, he Tom, was better than I ever dreamed he was going to be, you know, and I'll never, never think that he's a hall of fame player, but he and he and Peyton just had something going on that I hope sustains and that it's like that. And I would love to see that become the future of how football games are covered, you know, uh, because I was, they'd have to find some other teams. It's hard to find a pair like that. But I was thinking, can you imagine if you had that same format with Tony Romo and Sean Lee? Is that who you would pick? If you, if you had to pick a, like a wingman for Tony, you'd pick Sean Lee. Yeah, because I think he's one of the most brilliant defensive minds out there. And I, I think don't think he he's that do. charismatic though. Like no, well, we don't know. We don't know. We'd have to no. find out. But and that he that's just that's, that's just yeah. a homer. That's just a homer thing for me. But I just hope that we keep at least once a week we get to see something like that because it was inside. It was brilliant for people that are kind of more into the the technical <sighs> side of it. It was just fun to, to see that stuff and just 
absorb things. Tom, uh, BTB legend, Danny Phantom, uh, wants you to be muted after uh, <laughs> talking about liking Eli Manning. Uh, DeLunatics is Tony Romo and Daryl Johnston. I wouldn't mind Ooh. that. Daryl's got a level of polish. I mean, Tony is great, but Tony's like a puppy. You know what I mean? Like you, you need that, that, you know, balance to him. That's why Jim Nance works so well. Uh, I think Joseph has the right answer. Tony Romo and Irvin, forget balance. I mean, that's not, now you're really, you know, that's exactly what I was thinking. I actually exactly. agree with Don, with Donnie though. Excuse me. This is a comment. I'd love to see Romo and Aikman. Um, Cause I don't, I don't, I think we all, Went through a phase, maybe I'm speaking for everybody, where we hated Troy because it felt like Troy was overly critical of the Cowboys. Maybe I've just matured, you know, maybe not. I feel like I've developed a stronger appreciation for Troy the broadcaster. Maybe I was too biased myself, uh, but I do think that, that Troy is a fantastic commentator. Um, Alex says Tony and Peyton. Could you imagine the energy in that room? And Tom, to your point here, Peyton was magnificent. I don't yeah. I mean, I'm really not like bagging on Eli. It is easy, but Eli offered nothing. Um, the best commentary was between Peyton and Russell Wilson at the very end because oh. they were the they were the ones in synergy. Uh, Meg, I mean, actually, Meg, I'll put you in a spot. Is Peyton Manning could Peyton Manning be better than Tony Romo at this someday? No. Would it hurt you if he was? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're just refusing to confront that possible reality right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I think no, every Cowboys. You did a really good job. <laughs> I think every Cowboys fan, Tony, is now in this place where we all knew that Peyton would be great at this. You know what I mean? But he just hasn't ever approached it, and it is a unique environment. It is a unique way of going about it, and that will be the caping that Meg and other people will do. Well, he's not even there. You know, like <laughs> Romo's at the game. You know, Romo's having to do well, it on the fly. Peyton gets to sit on a couch. You know, so yeah, ever- and also it's like we. I feel like oh, there are Romo haters. So I'm not gonna say everybody, but I feel like we most of us are like we wanted Tony to like get over the finish line and get a ring. So I'm like, I want him to be the best commentator. Yeah. Like he, I agree with that. Like he's, take got my a, shine. He, he's got a thing now. And now he's like the goat, the undisputed goat <laughs> at something. So Peyton coming for this is it, it hurts a little Tony. I mean, do you agree? Uh, you know, it's funny you say that. And, you know, I was just kind of thinking about it a little, a little differently. Like the way I was watching it, it was, the public perception of Peyton and Eli as a whole, right? Peyton, the over-preparer. Eli, more the laid-back, like, like whatever kind of guy, right? And they both kind of fed into that for me as I'm watching it. Early on, Peyton's got a million thoughts he wants to say. He has everything written down. He's got all his bullet points. And Eli's sitting there like, where, you know, where's the nachos? I'm watching a football game, and I might throw in a couple comments there. But I thought it was really organic. I thought it was authentic. Um, I'm all in for it. Personally, you know, I – I probably I probably won't love it watching at the Cowboys game because I want to be tuned in, locked into my man cave. But like every other team and every other game, I'm all in to listen to it. So Tony brings up an interesting point, Tom, that I side with. Uh, and Meg, I'll, I'll come to you first. I will not watch this live next, in two weeks or, or in 13 days when the Cowboys and Eagles play on Monday Night Football. That night, and some of this is like, you know, our jobs, right? Like in, it's that game made it difficult to create content out of for the, for the teams involved specifically. It was incredible um, to watch as an impartial fan. And because you're not hearing the play-by-play I get Tom, Tom, I didn't know you hate every you know play-by-play guy in the world, apparently, but you, <laughs> you need, you need that information to a certain degree, but you're willing to surrender it in the name of the entertainment that Peyton and Eli brought. However, for the Cowboys game, we all kind of need that. So 
my own personal, you know, approach to the Cowboys Eagles game will be to watch the game in its true normal form on the standard broadcast. But then, you know, to obviously rewatch the the Peyton Eli broadcast to see what there is. We live in a day and age time where we can record things, you know. So, Meg, where do you fall on this? Because Tony and I are, are team not so much for the Cowboys game. This might be a stupid idea on my part, but I uh, will probably probably be out watching it at Texas Live, so uh, I won't okay. be able to. Okay, so Meg Meg will be uh, gallivanting in the in the metropolis. We'll be but getting if, in every Eagles fan's face. That's right, it, but if you fun. if you had to pick one, where do you fall on this? Do you agree uh, with Tony and I that it's a little much for the Cowboys game? Yeah, I would say so. Mm, Tom, you're outnumbered. How do you feel? Well, I I can't guarantee that I won't have to flip back to the uh, the regular mm, play by play backtracking to, like the Cowboys and Greg Zerline. Hate to see it because I'm gonna because don't forget I write the immediate recaps. So yeah, you do the hard work, Tom. It, it's know. kind of it's kind of hard to do. And also, but I want to say one thing. I don't think Peyton's going to dethrone Tony because Ooh. this is an entirely different format, and it's something that. You know, I don't know that any of the guys that are currently broadcasting, it would be hard for them because uh, Peyton especially didn't hold back going about coaches and stuff in a way that I think the guys at the main broadcast, they kind of know that they can't get away with that kind of stuff. They can't be overly critical because it's the TV audience. And, you know, this this may be, you know, Peyton and Eli may really be a one-off. It may be only them. Uh, and even if ESPN decides to bring in some other people for the seven games they're not going to cover this season, or I guess it's going to be eight total because they're Peyton and Eli are signed up to do 10 games. Mm-hmm. So that leaves eight weeks that there would be somebody else for, for however many Monday night games there are, because I don't remember. I, I guess maybe they only have 17 Monday night games. because There are, there are 18, um, but then ESPN has uh... – they they lost actually last night. There was not the double header uh, on week one Monday Night Football yeah. that we've we've normally seen. Uh, so they made up for it uh, in playoff games. Uh, just you know, just reading comments here. Mad Cat Kakery agree with RJ again. Just these are the comments. I'm, At least are, he didn't just, agree with DJ. These are facts. Uh, that, uh, still a sore subject. Mate. <laughs> uh, says must focus. Cannot enjoy the game until it's over. Um, I exactly. That's how I feel. That's why I won't watch this broadcast, but it will be fun to rewatch because it'll be especially fun because the Cowboys will trounce the Eagles and then we'll get to hear like Peyton and Eli celebrating it. Although, and this is why it will actually be painful to watch last night. Um, Peyton asked Eli about signing the, the locker in an AT&T stadium, then Cowboys stadium when the Giants beat the Cowboys. You know, Peyton's going to be like, so Eli, you know, what would you be doing here if you were going up against Rob, you know, Rob Ryan? You know what I mean? And then we would all have to remember that Rob Ryan was a thing that we had to endure. You know what I mean? That, that even Eli was allowed to prosper again. So, like, it could pick at some old wounds is what I'm saying. Eli Manning being on the call. Yeah, it could. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, does anybody have anything else, whether it's the – People here, people in the comments, anything that's on your mind as, as the dust settles on week one and week two begins in the National Football League. Tony, anything on your chest? Uh, I'm ready to see. I, I'm, I'm worried about the Terrence Steele experiment. So oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> that's okay. that's going to – I said a four. It, it might not keep me up at night, but I'm thinking it, it might not. <laughs> now okay. I'm thinking I might lose a little bit of sleep over it, well, thinking it don't, over. Don't need anything spicy. You don't need to add to that problem. So, uh, Tom, anything, you know, bothering you, making you feel good, make you want to dance, make you want to sing? I well, mean, I, 
I just know that we're overreacting to something because it's it's the overreaction week. The first, right. There's no way the, the Eagles are even kind of good, right? You so always, yeah, you always overreact to something. So, yeah, I'm just wondering what it's going to be, and and maybe maybe next time we get together and do this, we can have a little bit better idea of what we overreacted to. Uh, Meg, anything that you you just you feel right now? Um, I'm worried about. Randy Gregory on the COVID list still at the time yes. of this uh, time live stream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but um, I'm excited for a CD to not drop any passes next week. Um, okay. That's true. Very, very, very quickly <laughs> before we leave here, uh, we will have our predictions available at blog by the way. And, and Tom and Meg will both talk about it on their shows on the blog and the voice podcast network. But Tony question one, who wins Thursday? Or we all agree. Washington wins Thursday. So we don't have to do that, but, Eagles or Niners, and then Cowboys or Chargers. Make your picks. Mm. You said Eagles or Niners or Cowboys or Chargers. Uh, no, you I'm pick both s- the games. That's what I'm saying. Who oh, sorry. Both? My bad. Um, Niners, Cowboys. I mean, and, and that's not even mm. the homer in me. That's just the, my honest opinion. I really think it's going to shake out like that. Right on. Tom. Niners, Cowboys. Mm, Meg, don't copy. <laughs> Cowboys, Niners. Nice. <laughs> I will say... Dallas and San Francisco. <laughs> well done. So original. Um, all right. So um, thank you, everybody who watched. We will be doing these live streams every single Tuesday here at Blogging the Boys on our YouTube channel. We'll podcast these for you as well. Meg, one last word. Go. One word. One? Okay, that's your word. Tom, one last word. Bye. Tony, one last word. Steal. Thanks for joining us, everybody. I'll see you next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Vanta. Dealing with loads of spreadsheets, juggling different tools, and having to do manual security checks, it can be a headache to keep up with today's compliance and security programs. Vanta is the trust management platform that wants to simplify things and bring all your trust-building efforts under one roof, making growth smoother for your whole organization. Vanta lets you automate up to 90% of compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more. Strengthen security posture and reduce third-party risk. Get $1,000 off Vanta when you go to vanta.com slash vox. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash vox for $1,000 off Vanta.